Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I was reading that every single year across the whole world, 27 million vehicles are scrapped. Can you believe it? 27 million vehicles are scrapped and recycled. Uh, Many of the parts are recycled. And 25 million tons of material is recovered from these cars as they are scrapped. And, you know, when a car gets to the end end of its life, at the end of the road, as they say, it's got to be scrapped and broken up. And uh, some car owners, when the car gets very old, they say, no, you can't scrap the car. You've actually got to rebuild it. And this is what they say. I can't let go of this car because this car's got soul. Have you heard that term? And some people's cars have got such soul that they will work on them and rebuild them and value them. I was reading recently that cars apparently have got such a soul that a uh, 2000 and 18, uh, in 2018, a rebuilt 1963 Ferrari GTO set a new record selling for $70 million. That's 1 billion rand. Talk about soul. Someone clearly feels this car's got something. How many of you know we've got souls? We've got bodies, and they wear down, and and, uh, so human beings shouldn't be scrapped. But something that we've got that most people don't realize that has to be rebuilt, especially after a time of difficulty. And a lot of people give up their lives. They basically scrap their lives because they've been through such a hard time. But not only does your body take strain, not only does your soul take strain, but you've got something in your life called a spirit. And your spirit gets damaged. And hard times do that to your spirit. Do you know your spirit needs to be rebuilt? And so today I want to speak to you and those watching online how to rebuild your spirit, rebuilding your spirit. You know, there are three dimensions of a human being, three dimensions of a person, body, soul, and spirit. Body is the physical part of us. We know that so well. We have a soul, which is our feelings, our will, and our emotions. That's where we feel the impact of life. But you've got a spirit that God put in you that comes into you in the womb and gives you life. And that is an eternal part of you. It's the true you. It's the eternal you, but it's often overlooked by people. We operate in the body and the soul realm. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the scripture says, and Paul speaking, may your whole spirit, he mentions it first, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. You remember when Mary was told in Luke's gospel that she was going to have a child. She actually exclaimed in two aspects of her life because she experienced it like that. She said this, she said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Can you see two aspects of her life? My soul, my feelings, my emotions uh, glorify God, but my spirit deep down inside me glorifies and rejoices in God. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1, the Lord who stretches out the heavens and the earth, it says, is the one who forms the human spirit. You and I have a spirit. And you know what often happens? We focus on the physical. We feel the impact physically of our financial losses, 
We feel the physical sickness, you know, COVID has come. We feel that. Then we think of our emotions. And Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. But you know what happens? It's, it's like sometimes the body gets affected, your emotions and your feelings, but you don't realize sometimes that things get right down into the real you, into your spirit. It's like the bottom of the jar where the dregs settle, and you've got to be very careful because if your spirit ends up sallied or sallied, you will end up in a very bad place in your life. And what we don't recognize often is what is ending up in our spirits and our whole spirit, soul, and body needs to be sanctified. Are you with me this morning? And so we have to look at what we've been through and ask ourselves, have we been affected and how can we rebuild our spirits? Watchmani, the great Chinese author, he said, many saints cannot distinguish inspiration from emotion. Actually, these two can be defined readily. Emotion always enters from man's outside whereas inspiration originates with the Holy Spirit in man's spirit or in a person's spirit. You know, whenever the Bible says man, don't get touchy, it means a person. In your spirit is where inspiration, that's where God speaks, but we very seldom pay attention to that. We're often feeling things and reading our environment by, by our physical senses when in fact uh, we need to recognize our spirit. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how the Word of God speaks to the different aspects of our lives. You'll remember as Hebrews chapter 4. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. There's a difference there between the two. It distinguishes between feelings and that which is actually your true spirit on the inside. And, and the book of Proverbs says that the, the, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. The King James says the candle of the Lord. So that's where God speaks in. That's the thing that we need to keep in good repair. And often when you've been through hardship and through difficulty, sickness, loss, listen to me, disappointment, uh, uh, you've seen people die, you've lost a business, you, you, you feel it, you, you're sad, you, you're discouraged, you, you, you know, physically you've, you, you've suffered financial loss or there's, there's someone's died in your family, you're mourning, but what, what we don't often take into account is what is actually happening in my spirit, right in the depth of me, if I let it happen, that's where I become so discouraged, where I, I come to church and I, you know, I sing and I greet but actually deep down, I don't believe like I used to. I don't trust God like I used to. Life has hurt my spirit, and now out of that spirit, I behave and make the wrong kind of decisions. I make judgments. I, I'm, I'm bitter. I'm resentful. I'm, I'm, I'm a wounded person, and it's all coming out of my spirit, and I don't recognize it because I feel okay. And, you know, we go and eat out, and we buy stuff. So, so our soul is doing okay but actually our spirits need rebuilding. Am I making sense today? So let me give you five simple things today as we look at this. And uh, if you're watching at home, um, just, just let me remind you, you underestimate what COVID-19 has done to your spirit. COVID-19 has damaged people's spirits because they've got into unbelief. They've seen Christians die. There's fear. There's disappointment. There's weakness. And it's, it, your spirit gets damaged just like a broken leg or arm. It's that significant. And you have to pay attention to it. So, so five simple things here today. Number one, the first thing to do to rebuild your spirit, don't allow sickness and trouble to crush your spirit. 
Because sickness and trouble will crush your spirit. They don't just make you feel bad. They'll affect the depth of you. You'll live in unbelief. You won't trust God for healing. Can I tell you, I still trust God for healing, even though I've lost one of my closest friends to cancer. I still trust God for healing, even though there's been a pandemic and people in our church have died and we've had to bury them. I still believe in healing because I will not let my spirit man, which is the candle of the Lord, get affected by it. I have to work on it every day. And COVID has affected my spirit. The discouragement, the negativity, it gets down deep inside here and then it comes out in our conversation. What our country has, has been through recently has affected our spirits. The rioting, you don't just go, oh, well, that's done with. No, there's a fear that it could happen again. Maybe I should immigrate. Maybe I should put more burglar bars in. I wonder when it's going to happen again. If I run a business, will I lose it? And so from, a, from the depth of you, you make decisions, and your thinking is affected because your spirit has been hurt. Notice what it says here about sickness and trouble. Proverbs 15, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Trouble, loss, uh, sickness, disappointment, hardship, death in a family, all these things can crush your spirit and you must not allow it to. You must keep your spirit in good condition and keep it in good health. Proverbs 18, the human spirit can endure sick in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? In fact, the King James says, not, a, not a, a, a crushed spirit, it says a wounded spirit. You see, we get wounded in our spirits, not in our emotions. In our spirit, we, there's, there's a damage there. No one sees it. No one knows it. We smile. We even sing in church. We even serve in church. But somewhere down there, something has been damaged. And we're not the same as we were. Listen, I can tell when people have got a broken spirit. I can tell it immediately. From years in the ministry, you can smile at me, you can shake my hand, you can sing in church, but I can tell because I've learned to look beyond the body, beyond the soul, to what is in the spirit. And my job as a leader and pastor is to minister to your spirit, not to your emotions. That's why we don't sing for a half an hour at Rivers Church. You hear me here? We purposely don't sing for a half an hour because I don't want you to mistake emotion for spirit. It's not wrong to sing. It's not wrong to sing and have worship. We have worship celebrations, but it's more important that your spirit receives the word of God and is revived than your emotions are stirred. Because on Monday, when the emotion's gone, how do you live? You need to live from a strong spirit. In Job chapter 7, Job speaks about his illness. And he says, therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out, watch this, in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. So your spirit can be anguished and your emotions can experience bitterness. He clearly there defines the two dimensions of our lives. And we've got a God against this affecting us. Job 17 and verse 1, he declares this. My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Do you know that when the devil can break your spirit, he can literally destroy your life? Because that's the point when you actually give up. I'm not praying anymore. I don't trust God anymore. Look what's happened to me. Look how bad it's got. And so we exist instead of soaring and thriving. Rudy Giuliani made an interesting statement. You remember when 9-11 took place, he was the mayor of New York. And he said this, the attacks of September 11th 
We intended to break our spirit. Instead, we have emerged stronger and more unified. You and I have to decide that life, trouble, and sickness will not break our spirit. We will feel the effects, but we will guard the deep inner life and make sure God lives there and that our spirit is the candle of the Lord, not the darkness of the world. Number two, if you're with me at home online or watching from wherever you are this morning, number two, our spirit is our responsibility. Our responsibility is to guard our spirit, to maintain it, and to keep it in good health. Make sure your spirit isn't dragged down by hurts, by life, and by people. Make sure that you don't develop dysfunction of spirit and bitterness and unbelief. Start living there. That's why people today deconstruct their faith. It's they've allowed their spirit to be spoiled through experiences. Why has this happened? Why is there suffering in the world? They let that get into their spirit, and then their spirit begins to rule them, and our spirit is our responsibility. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Then he gives advice. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. See, we've got to be careful that our spirits are not riled or stirred or contaminated. How many of you know that during this pandemic, on social media, people allowed their spirits to be provoked. I felt provoked in my spirit by some of the things that I read. When we saw all the things happening in America, people became angry emotionally, but then they allowed their spirits to get sullied and they adopted certain worldviews that were anti-Christian. We've got to be careful because things go right down into the depth of you. It's up to us to guard that. You know, what we often do is we want the Holy Spirit, you know, but no, the Lord says you have a spirit. You don't just have a soul. And what is down here is very important because it will determine what you do. If you in your spirit believe that the Bible actually, actually is outdated, and actually a lot of it's true, and you do love Jesus, but in your spirit, guess what? You will make decisions based on that. Because decisions don't come out of your soul. They come out of your spirit then your soul feels them, you've got to keep your spirit, my spirit, is our responsibility. Are you with me today? You know, Jesus said this in Luke 11. Let me remind you of this. He says, your eyes are the lamp for your body. When your eyes are good, you have all the light you need. But when your eyes are dark, everything is dark. Be sure that your light isn't darkness. You see, what we see and experience can end up making us dark in our spirits, not just dark in our minds. You end up where your whole life is darkened, but you actually don't acknowledge it. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, uh, Solomon says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. He's saying there that what can happen to us, what we see, can provoke us and can cause us to make bad decisions from deep within our spirits, and we've got to guard ourselves and make sure that we recognize what is happening in our lives. David in Psalm 73 says he looked around at people around him, and he allowed his spirit to be affected. How many of you know you've got to guard yourself, because it's not just emotional when you see things around you, it affects you deep, deep within. Psalm 73, David said this, 
He said, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. In other words, I looked at life. I saw people who, who didn't get COVID. I saw people who were worse than me, whose family didn't die. I saw the unsaved get, uh, get through it. And I saw Christians die. And he said, you know what? My spirit was embittered. I was like a brute beast. And if you read Psalm 73, he comes to his senses in the house of God and he recognizes, hey, that was a foolish thing to do. That was a foolish thing to say because I let my spirit get affected by what I saw. My eyes brought darkness into my spirit. And you've got to be very careful that life circumstances don't affect you. You've got to constantly say, what's happening in me? What's going on in the depths of me? Lord Jesus do a work in me. And we'll talk about that later when we go to God. Do you remember when King David uh, faced the loss of his family in 1 Samuel 30? The Bible says that the Amalekites came and while he was out uh, fighting the Philistines' battles, they took away all his family and his wives, his sons and his daughters and all his men's families and they took all their possessions and they went off with them. And when they got back there, I want to read to you, because you know this passage well, but I want to read it to you what it says in 1 Samuel 30, because this is what happens inside us when things happen to us that are bad. It says here, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So something can happen to you when personal issues and loss takes place, but David found strength in the Lord his God. David knew that his spirit was his responsibility. And listen to me, when you get bitter in spirit, you'll turn on the very people that care about you the most. You know how many people have turned on me as a pastor? Someone who leads them and cares for them and he's trying to take them into better things. When your spirit gets bitter, Rivers Church becomes bad, we're big, we're a mega church, we're only interested in the money, why? That's not because of the truth, that's because your spirit has been your spirit is your responsibility. How many of you heard Christians talk about other people and other churches negatively? It's what's in their spirit. Now, they've been hurt maybe by something they saw, but you've got to make sure that what you see doesn't bring darkness into your spirit. We've got to guard our spirits. Paul the Apostle knew that if he wasn't careful with all the conflict and the negativity and the criticism from people, his own spirit would become sullied. And Paul makes a statement, and I want to speak to volunteers today especially. Paul says this in Romans 1 and verse 9, because it's so easy to go through the motions when your spirit has been hurt. He says in Romans 1, 9, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. In other words, I serve God from deep down here. It's not an external. I don't do this as a career. I'm not preaching to make money or to impress you or to sell books to you. From deep within, I'm fulfilling the call of God. And you've got to serve God from deep within your spirit. And if you allow negativity and hurts and other people's opinions, oh, River's using you as cheap labor, and you let that get in your spirit, guess what will happen? You'll be blogging it, writing about it, posting it on Instagram, and affecting other people's spirits. This stuff is, gets in us, and we don't actually acknowledge it, because we live on a body level and a soul level. What is going on down here? 
Your spirit is your responsibility, and you need to read it and know it in your life and keep yourself positive. Many of you would remember Helen Keller, and she said this. She said, no pessimist ever discovered the secret of the stars or sailed to an uncharted land or opened up a new doorway for the human spirit. You'll never inspire people or inspire yourself if you're negative and you allow yourself to get hurt. You've got to look after your spirit and God. Number three, the third thing that you need to do, thank you. This is how you rebuild your spirit. Seek good news and fresh vision. It revives our spirits. Constantly look for the good, the good news about the future, the good news about South Africa. There's a lot of negativity, but look for the good news. Amen? And I say this to you repeatedly, probably sick of hearing it, but take the news in measured doses because they're feeding you bitter syrup. There was some good news this week that they're opening the door for other companies to provide us with power. That's good news. Now, it may take a time, but I'm going to focus on that. It gives me hope. Hmm? So you've got, to, you've got to guard against gossip and negativity and bad news because it'll get in here. Last year and year before, I found being at home, watching the news, keeping track of COVID and the cases, it's like eventually you're like, <sighs> you, you can start to feel like you're completely drained because what you're seeing is bringing darkness into your life. And, uh, you know, even, even the stuff we see online, people talking about churches, what, 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 what went on in the church world last year, the disappointment of what pastors were doing, the things that happened in some big churches across the world, which I won't mention, just so negative. It doesn't just affect your feelings. It gets into your spirit. It can start to make you doubt leadership, doubt God, doubt His plan. Amen? Maybe some people didn't want to come back to church after watching those things online and on the news. And so we've got to look for good news. And guess what? When you look for good news and you get a glimpse of vision, that's when your spirit gets revived. Now, you say, well, tell me about it. Yeah, in the book of Genesis, it's interesting. You remember Jacob? He thought Joseph had been killed. You know the story? Jacob had be, uh, Joseph had been taken by his brothers and thrown in a pit and sold off to Egypt. And uh, Jacob thought that he was dead. In fact, his life drained away. You read Genesis, you can read, the man was was in terrible pain, and his spirit was was discouraged because God had called him prince with God. God had promised to bless him. And here, Joseph is gone. Now the boys find out that Joseph is alive because they go to Egypt to buy grain, and they meet him, and he tells them, I'm your brother, and it's like, what? So they come back, and they fetch Jacob. Now notice this. This passage is amazing. Genesis 45. It says, when they, that's the, 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 the sons, told him, Jacob, everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts, Joseph had sent to carry him back the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Notice that. They told him, and he saw. And I'll tell you what, when you hear good news and you see things that can be, your spirit will revive. But if you just listen to what's negative and see what is, your spirit will be sullied and you will not have a rebuilt spirit. And COVID has battered us severely. Even strong Christians have been battered. 
And you need to get under the word. We need to get back into church. We need to hear the word preached. And we need to worship together because when we see and we, we, we get vision and we focus on the promises of God and God's word begins to wash us, our spirits will revive. We have a responsibility to rebuild our spirits. I love what Isaiah 61 speaks about, and Jesus mentioned this, and this is when Israel came back from captivity. Isaiah 61, he, he, it says here that this is what the Lord wants to do. He, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, watch, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit having a spirit of despair. Do you know that when you've got a spirit of despair, you don't see anything in the future that's good. You don't see anything positive. You don't see hope for South Africa. You don't see hope for your family. You don't see hope for the church. All you see is the world going to hell in a handbasket, and all you think is, oh, my word, because you don't have a garment of praise. You've got a spirit of despair. Now, you can hide it. You can smile. You can have dinner with people. You can go to church. You can sing the songs because, well, what can you do the way they lead us? But what is happening in your spirit? We need to seek good news, and we need to see vision. Otherwise, our spirits will pull us down. And the Lord goes on to say they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long desolate, uh, devastated. They will renew the ruined gates that have been devastated for generations. You see, we can't just barely survive or barely get by. We have to get to a place where we can revive and we can rebuild and our spirits can soar instead of just, I'm a Christian and I'm living by pure commitment. But deep down, I don't believe. Deep down, I don't have hope. Deep down, my spirit has been sullied. Number four, is this helping you today? Our, this is something very important to remember, and this is why you have to rebuild your spirit, is our spirits are reproduced in others. What happens in the depth of you, sadly, is caught by other people. Do you, do you know that your children in your home catch your spirit, not your words? They know what's in your spirit, not just what you say. People visiting, they listen to what they say. Oh, Pastor Andre came to visit, and Auntie so-and-so came to visit, and they said this. And, but my parents, they know what's in your spirit, and your spirit, your pessimism, your negativity, your lack of faith, your woundedness gets transferred to them. Same happens in a church. Do you know that you catch the pastor of a church spirit by sitting under his ministry? You don't catch the Holy Spirit. You catch his spirit whether he really believes, whether he is committed, whether he's just giving you good sermons because he's a good communicator, or whether that's actually his real conviction. He's married for 49 years tomorrow, by the way. But what you will pick up is his spirit. He's married for 49 years, but does he believe in marriage? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This stuff is deep, and it gets transferred. And we, don't, we often ignore it because we think our words and our smile will cover for our spirit. That's why we have, our spirit is our responsibility. And sickness and COVID and trouble must not sully your spirit. Troubles in the Christian world must not give you an embittered and a wounded and a broken spirit. When things are good for other people and not good for you, you don't let it affect your spirit because God, your, your Holy Spirit will work in my spirit. And I don't want to transfer this to the next generation. I'm very conscious of what I transfer to the next generation because I have to be a leader. I have to warn the next generation. But I don't want them to catch a negative spirit. 
It's a massive preoccupation with me. You'll remember that, 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 that Elijah had a spirit, not the Holy Spirit, and that Elisha wanted it. Here's a question. He wanted the spirit of Elijah. Whose spirit do you want? And whoa, 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 wait. Does anyone want your spirit? Here's a thought. It's a massive challenge to me. But let me read this to you because sometimes we confuse the language. And I want you to see as you read it, 2 Kings 2 and verse 9. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? He's about to die. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. He doesn't say a double portion of the Holy Spirit. He says, what I see in you, your tenacity, your belief, your faith, the way you rebounded from being suicidal, the way God is using you, the way you won't give up, your courage, your determination, your total sold-outness to God in the face of idol worship, the threat of death. I want that. Elijah says to, Elijah says to him, you've asked a difficult thing. Elijah says, yet if you see me, in other words, if you stay connected and you watch, you'll catch my spirit. When I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah, notice not the Holy Spirit, rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. In other words, he's got that same mantle of leadership, that same courage, anointing, determination, depth of belief. We think we can follow him. It's a spirit. Listen to me. I have been to churches where when I walk into the building, I can tell what spirit is on the leader and on the people. It's transferable. It's sometimes a spirit of competition. We're better than everyone else. Our church is the best. Our conferences are the best. It's a spirit of competition. You can run a church, but you can have the wrong spirit. And that spirit gets transferred to your young people. That's why there's such an arrogant group of people in the world today that are young and trendy. People call it confidence. It's, they've got the wrong spirit. Where's the spirit of the fathers, the humility? They want to teach and benefit other generations. They even not go there. It says, and they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, behold, now uh, there are with your servants 50 strong men. Please let them go back and seek your master. Watch. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him on some mountain or into some valley. Can you see the spirit of the person is different to the Holy Spirit? Elijah transferred his spirit, not the Holy Spirit, to Elisha. And because of that, God then gave him the Holy Spirit on top of that, and he did twice as many miracles. Whose spirit do you desire? Whose spirit is actually on you? Because you know, a lot of people have got, even Christians, they've got spirit of entertainers on them. They watch those people on Instagram, and then they catch that spirit, that spirit of, I'm important. Watch me. I'm going to be somebody. If your description on your Instagram or Twitter is selfie queen, change it. It's not a good spirit. Can you imagine Jesus sitting by the well, talking to the woman? Just, just wait. At the well. Hashtag evangelism. Hashtag pure heart. Come on. It's a sp the spirit of the world is something, if you catch it, it'll sully you. Guard your spirit. Your spiritual responsibility. Don't let trouble and sickness damage you. 
Notice that your spirit is reproducing others. And lastly today, we must ask God to rebuild and revive our spirits. God can do it in us if we ask Him to. Hmm? Psalm 143, David prays, or David speaks. He says, so my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. You know, when your spirit is in a bad place, go to God. Because he does surgery. Not on the body, not on the soul. He restores our souls. But there's a work that he does deep down. In Ezekiel chapter 36, he says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. Not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about regenerating our own spirit from disappointment. And then he says, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How many of you want that? I want God to do something in me and then to add to me the Holy Spirit. And you know, when your spirit is moved by God, that's when you make good decisions. I'm nearly done here, but I, I want to just remind you that God can stir your spirit, even when it's in a bad place. In Ezra chapter 1, this is the king of Persia. He's, 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 not a Christ, he's, not a, he's not a Jew. He's not a Christian. He's not, he's not God's nation. But it says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So he made a proclamation throughout his kingdom and put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is Judea. Why am I reading this to you? Do you know that people often ask me, how did, you, how did Rivers get to the church the size it is? Did you, did you sit in that little building and did, did you see in the clouds? Church, balcony, multiple services, parking garage. Oh, I see the vision. I've got the vision. Now, you know what he did? God stirred my spirit each step of the way. He did something down here. And, he, and it's, like, it's like from the inside. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it in my emotions. Down here, I knew that I knew that I knew that the next step was this. Then when we did it, it worked. It wasn't just crazy faith. Sean, we're going to build a building for 200 million. How much have we got in the bank? 50 rand? Okay. No. You just know that this is the next. And God stirs your spirit. If you keep your spirit in good condition. And God will renew and he'll stir our spirits and we need to go to him and pray. David prayed this, Psalm 51, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. I feel like I want to give up, Lord, but renew. And he says here, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. In other words, in the depth of me, I want to be willing and I want to be, I want to be a stick-headed person. And on top of that, I want the Holy Spirit, but I want you to do something down in the depths of me so that when the Holy Spirit comes, it's genuine. You've got to pray that. Pray that. And then Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, today God wants to restore us. He wants to restore our spirits. He wants to cleanse our spirits. And He wants us to soar again. And you will never soar as a Christian, especially if you've been saved a long time, unless your spirit is renewed. You can come to church, you can hang in there, you can be a faithful giver, and that's great. You'll be a volunteer, but you've, be, you've got to be like Paul. You've got to serve God in your spirit. You've got to be a person who says, you know what, lots of things have happened to me, but they haven't damaged my spirit. From deep within, there's a genuineness 
and I'm looking to God to heal me and restore me, and I'm going to serve Him from my spirit. How many of you want God to do that for you today? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 